You're listening to The PaveCast, a podcast from Partners for Automated Vehicle Education to illuminate the world of AV technology. Learn about PAVE and its mission by visiting www.pavecampaign.org. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this edition of The PaveCast. My name is Adam Howell, and I am the Director of External Affairs with Partners for Automated Vehicle Education. And today we're going to be talking about Zooks. Uh, Mobility is a service company that has recently achieved a big milestone by completing the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standard self-certification process. And with us today from Zooks is Amanda Prescott, who is the Director of Homologation. Amanda was instrumental in getting Zooks approvals to operate on public roads and led the FMVSS self-certification process. Amanda, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. I'm excited to be here and talk more about this really important milestone for Zeus. Excellent. So uh, just before we get started, I always like to ask, can you tell us a little bit about your background and history with the company? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start first with my background. I did two stints with Ford Motor Company, one doing vehicle crash safety, and the second stint I was leading investigations into safety and compliance with the FMVSS, which we'll talk more about today. And some of those investigations may have been triggered externally or from our internal resources when I was at Ford. I spent in the middle of that time, four years at NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, enforcing the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards, or FMVSS. This is really where I got my start in the area of homologation. I had the opportunity to be responsible for several FMVSS leading the testing and the enforcement if we found that manufacturers weren't weren't meeting those standards. I also got to spend some time working on upgrading regulations and working with the research team there. After my journey at NHTSA and Ford, I came to Zooks about five and a half years ago to lead homologation of the first ground-up robo-taxi, which was a really exciting opportunity that has just been tremendous for me personally and professionally to figure out how to do something that most people thought couldn't be done. Wow. With that, I mean, your background sounds like, uh, sounds like Zooks really found the right person for the job because uh, that's really, uh, really who you want to, uh, to lead a team that's, uh, that's doing these things. So very exciting to, uh, to uh, get your perspective on, uh, on all the great things that Zooks is doing today. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what, what differentiates Zooks uh, and its mobility as a service approach from other companies operating in AV? Absolutely. We've always been consistent that we wanted to build a purpose-built robotaxi from the ground up since the initial vision in 2015 or 2014. We haven't wavered from this vision. When we started, everyone thought this was crazy. They were more focused on different business models, such as retrofitting conventional vehicles or licensing their software. Building a ground-up robotaxi is no easy feat and requires a unique approach to hardware and software integration, which we believe we have pioneered and have a distinct advantage. So can you tell us a little bit, what does it mean to provide a purpose-built robotaxi for service uh, for the general public and overall? Absolutely. You know, I think the key piece is really about that passenger experience. It's going to be unique for Zooks. Unlike human-driven cars, AVs present riders the freedom to do what they please while riding. While traveling in the first purpose-built AVs, such as ours, our riders can personalize their experience and they can choose to listen to personal music, adjust the temperature, charge their phones, even take a nap if it so pleases them. And then aesthetically, 
Our vehicle is a carriage style where the interior is dedicated to that rider experience and the exterior is focused on self-driving technology. We've built a robo-taxi for humans to enjoy and AI to drive. The interior, as some are aware, is communal face-to-face -face seating so that it's equal and symmetric on both sides. So every rider enjoys an equally spacious and social experience. Carriage seating consists of two rows of seats that face each other and provides a unique experience that facilitates those conversations with your fellow passengers. The best part about it is there's no bad seat in the house. Every seat offers the same amenities in the same space. And because of this design, we have a wider aisle so that if someone next to you is getting out, you don't have to really move to get out of the way to let them out. Unlike in the backseat of a conventional car where people are climbing over each other, you can just get up and walk out. So I think that's what's really exciting for the public. Very interesting. You know, when I with what you just described, it really feels like this is one of the first um, AVs that that really feels like what we think about when it comes to the future, when it comes to when we all, when we all like look at, uh, at something that almost a few years ago seemed like science fiction and the, and, and the amenities and the ability to do other things while, uh, while taking advantage of the technology, that's uh that's a really exciting thing. And it, that uh, you all are bringing sort of our vision of the future to the present um, in rapid fashion. So that's, uh, that's really interesting. Um, now I want to talk a little bit um about your recent uh, initial autonomous vehicle service run in Foster City, uh, Foster City, um, for your employees. But before we get into that and in in some of the details about how you got there, I know that it's it's probably been a, a long and uh, maybe at times complicated journey. But how did it feel um, after so many years of that hard work to see uh, to see this uh, accomplishment come to fruition? It was truly amazing. Uh, I work remotely. And so I watched it on, on the live stream that we did for employees. And it was like, I couldn't believe it, but it also seemed completely normal and exciting. Like you could feel the hair tingling, you know, on your neck. Cause it was so cool to watch it drive down the road and just do its thing and be completely normal. Um, it, you know, and that was just what was so exciting and, and we did it. it. It just felt so good. I, I can't explain it any other way than we did it. And yeah, on the one hand, it seems crazy. But on the other hand, it's like, this is perfectly what it's supposed to be. And this is awesome. So it was huge for Zoops. It, it, it's funny uh, the way you described that. It To me, it sounded like um, whenever I hear people who accomplish something almost like a NASA or or, or a shuttle launch or, or uh, a Mars landing, you know, it's, it's this this massive amount of technological work that has to be orchestrated and is highly nuanced and it, and it takes a long time with a lot of questions, but when it happens, it's like, we did it. You know, that's, that's the great, uh, that's the great uh, exclamation point on the end of the whole process. So you really get a sense of, uh, of having that, that sense of accomplishment after, after, after everything's said and done. Um now, for those who may be unfamiliar, can you explain the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standard self-certification process for us a little bit? Absolutely, Adam. Happy to. So in the United States, uh, all vehicle manufacturers are required to certify that their vehicles comply with the applicable Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards, or FMVSS. Certification in and of itself is done by the manufacturer, so it's often referred to as self-certification. This is unique to how Europe 
does it, for example. In Europe, a manufacturer submits their vehicles for testing by an authority. And then the authority says, yes, you can make these vehicles and these these are type approval or these approved to go on the roads. In the U.S., that burden is on the manufacturer. And so we go through the process of determining which FMVSS apply to our vehicle. And we start by looking through all of the existing FMVSS. I think there's more than 70 because they cover everything from motorcycle helmets and child seats to motor coaches and everything in between. So not all of them apply to every vehicle type. So you start by looking at which ones apply to a passenger car, which is what we are. And then you look further and say, okay, there's certain things that only apply if you have certain equipment. Like if you don't have power windows, the power window standard doesn't apply. And so then we go through that process. We identify those standards and those requirements we have to meet. And then we develop a test plan and we go through and we conduct physical tests like the crash tests that everybody likes to see. We can also use computer simulations uh, to help us in preparation for some of those physical tests, but you can also use computer simulation as part of your basis for certifying your vehicle. And then finally, some of these are sort of inspection type of items where you have to have certain labels or you have to have certain you know, items in the vehicle. And that can all be done through engineering analysis or inspection as we like to call it. And once we've done all of that, we document it, we create test reports and, and we have all that information on file. Because the way it works in the U.S. is that we certify the vehicle and then NHTSA has the authority to come in and they can ask us about our certification. They can ask us to provide information. And at that time, then we provide that information for NHTSA to be able to review. So it sounds like there's a lot of nuances and a lot of different ways uh, that the process unfolds. How was it uh, like for Zuxa in terms of completing the certification process? Yeah, absolutely. So as I said before, we focused on the test procedures and doing the, the physical testing to support that we met all of the requirements where physical testing was appropriate, which is the vast majority of the cases. As I said, some of them are labels, which you have to make sure they're there. So I guess that's a physical test maybe, but we think of that as inspection, if you will. And so we go through and do all of that. And furthermore, we use third-party laboratories in many cases to do this testing, often the same test houses that are doing the testing that NHTSA does, so that we had confidence that we were meeting the requirements in the best way possible using the best resources available to us. So Amanda, why did Zooks choose this route instead of seeking an exemption for the robo-taxi? Yeah, from the time that we first set out and I joined Zooks five and a half years ago, the goal was always to certify the vehicle. This is what every other manufacturer does in the United States. And so we sat down, assessed what we needed to do and worked on designing the vehicle to deliver on all of those requirements at the federal and state levels. And we really think that this is the best way to proceed uh, and get people in robo-taxis on public roads enjoying what AVs can deliver. Excellent. So, I mean, we've, we've seen a lot of news out there about this. I mean, this is, this is a, big, uh, a big deal. What, what can you talk, say about this milestone in terms of what it means for the AV industry as a whole? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's really exciting because we went through a lot of steps, completing rigorous testing on private roads and test tracks and getting the approval from the California Department of Motor Vehicles 
giving us our permits that we could actually drive on public roads. And we're proud to say that we were ready to bring our purpose-built passenger robo-taxi to public roads. And this is critical for us, but the industry as a whole, bringing you know, everybody one step closer to commercializing purpose-built robo-taxi services for the public. And this comes after many, many years of testing on private roads and, and various conditions and doing all of the things that I already talked about related to the FMVSS as well as much more to, to bring us there. And it shows that it's real and it's possible and it's exciting. Absolutely. I mean, speaking of of exciting, you know, we 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 talked a little bit about sort of the uh sort of the procedures and some of the things you did to to get here, but I just I want to zoom out a little bit, and you touched on this before when it came to the uh, the design of the vehicle. But can you talk a little bit about what, in terms of your perspectives, are the overall benefits of AV technology? What what, what do we gain as a society if we're able to prove and scale up these solutions and really get them out there as something that's more ubiquitous for for the country as a whole? Yeah, on the AV technology side, you know, I think. It's, it comes it comes back to safety, right? What is the benefit of the AV technology? We lose more than 40,000 people a year in motor vehicle crashes, and that's unacceptable, yet we've accepted it for years and years and years. And with AVs, you have the opportunity to eliminate a lot of those causes that lead to those crashes that lead to people losing their loved ones. And so I think that's, that's sort of the highest level goal is is really driving that number down so that we don't have to wonder if our friends are going to make it home tonight from the bar, for example. And then from a, you know, lower level perspective, there's plenty of people that don't want to drive or don't enjoy driving or they can't drive. And the autonomous technology will enable those people to really have the mobility and the freedom that they haven't enjoyed in the past. And so I think on that next level down, that that's, what's also so amazing about it. Absolutely. Safety is always paramount. And then freedom, you know, bringing back uh, the world to so many people and, and having the ability to to be mobile, I think, is 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 so key. And you see, like you mentioned, 40,000 um, 40, deaths and, and the focus um, recently, uh, whether it be the FHWA um, call to action or, or uh, towards zero deaths. Our uh, our focus on this is uh, is is really important because it's measured in terms of lives. So, yep, I I, I couldn't agree more. Um, in terms of the near term, I, I, I guess, uh, and the technology, what would you say is uh, on the horizon? Uh, do you feel like we're now getting closer to clearing some of the uh, the big obstacles that we need to clear in order to really get AVs out there in the public and and see them deployed more? I think that we've made some really good steps. And with this uh, first drive on public roads with this bespoke robo-taxi, it's just the very first steps in this process. And one of the things that I think is really important and we're starting to see the change on and PAVE has really been instrumental in is education, right? And the more that uh, the various autonomous developers go out, do testing, do the right things, do the community engagement, do the education, um, you know, and show the world the benefits, we're going to start to break through some of that hesitancy that that many folks have about this idea of an autonomous vehicle driving them around. And, you know, it's, it's really a lot about education. People don't understand it. People don't think they need it. And 
I think the more that we start to show that it's possible, show what's great about it, show that we're doing it responsive and, and build on that confidence that people are looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, uh, I think that, uh, you said it best. We don't want, we don't want to make uh two, uh, two fine point predictions for, for anything in the future, but as long as we can keep educating people and, and, and keep exposing people to the technology, we'll get there. And that's, uh, and that's the important thing. Um, and I guess, uh, to wrap things up, we always like to, uh, to give you this moment to, to mention anything you want to talk about in the near future uh, or on the horizon for Zooks, um, any announcements or any uh, anything in the coming years that you uh, you want to talk about that you're looking forward to? Yes, we're super excited for our next step in our journey, which is to begin the launch of our commercial service, targeting the markets of Las Vegas and San Francisco. Great. Well, we can't wait to see uh, to see what comes next, and uh, and congratulations again on all your great work and and your successes of late, and and I think that uh, that we're going to see so much more in the in the in the coming months and years. So I just want to thank you again, um, Amanda. Uh, it's been so so wonderful talking with you, and uh, and we're looking forward to uh, to hopefully having you back uh, in the future whenever uh, whenever we can talk about another great announcement from Zooks. Um, for our audience, I just want to mention, uh, you can always learn more about all the th- great things that Zooks is doing by checking out their website, zooks.com. And of course, you can learn about all of the exciting things being done by all of our members by checking out uh, the PAVE website at thepavecampaign.org. So thank you once again uh, to our audience. Thank you again, Amanda. And we'll uh, we'll see you all next time. <laughs>